Hello and welcome to the Touchdown Review. I'm your host, Paul Mannering, better known as Mandy. Episode 4 here, going through a bumper week in the NFL. Some off-the-field stories, mostly on-the-field stories. College, not on this week's show, although some spectacular games. Hope you've all watched Iowa-Penn State, Alabama-Texas A&M and many others. We'll get guys on in future weeks about that. This week we have the brilliant Colin Squires. Tayyip Babu, Thomas Willoughby and Joe Valenzuela talking many things, especially trips to London, um, Lamar Jackson and obviously the situation with John Gruden and the Las Vegas Raiders. So let us get on with the show. First of all, let's get on to Callum Squires. And joining me now, the brilliant Callum Squires. Callum, how are we? Very good, Paul. Very good. Nice to be uh, nice to be with you. Nice to have uh, been at Spurs this weekend and see the NFL in London in person again. Very fortunate to be there for for us. And uh, yeah, just uh, had a good weekend, all in all. What do you think of the stadium? Is it's that the first time you've been? Stadium. No, so it, it's ironic. I've actually not been for a football for a soccer football match yet. <laughs> but I, I went to both the uh, Bears, Raiders, and Panthers, Buccaneers two years ago Um, and yeah I mean it's still just as impressive as it was then I mean it's it's obviously a little bit smaller than Wembley but you also Mm. feel far closer to the pitch there isn't a bad seat in the house Um, and to be fair to them you know whatever you think of uh, of Spurs or Daniel Levy they've built a very very nice stadium and uh, you know it is it is rightfully uh, the home of the NFL in the UK right now because it's it's first class from top to bottom Fantastic, fantastic! I, I'll have to go. I haven't, I haven't done, I haven't done Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yet, so definitely, definitely on the list of stuff to do. Although, based on the news I'm hearing um, out of NFL this week, my my next NFL game will be hopefully in Munich. Um, but that's a different story yeah. for another time. Um, <laughs> we will get on to talking about the games, but I guess we should. It would be inappropriate, I think, of us not to start the show this week talking about off-the-field stuff and that namely being John Gruden and the Raiders, for those who are unaware. Um, earlier last week, um, news first started coming out of regarding emails in relation to derogatory things that John Gruden had said about uh, DeMora Smith, the NFLPA exec. It was then transpired early Sunday on the ESPN. Uh, Chris Mortensen reported that additional um, emails had been found, um, and it now transpires basically on Monday. I think it was a, a Wall Street Journal report that um, not only were they racist, there was homophobic, misogynistic, basically anything that you can possibly imagine. Um, I think first of all, before before I go into it. Uh, a Washington football team rant, I guess. What, what, what are your thoughts on on uh, John Gruden and what's happened, transpired in the past, I guess, 72 hours? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I will absolutely let you take the uh, the Washington football side of things, Paul, because you are far more um, versed in those issues than, than myself. I mean, extremely disappointing from start to finish. Um, horrible, um, horrific, and, and really just a sad day uh, for the league, that someone who is somewhat ingrained in the, the history of, of the NFL in terms of he's had successes and he's been around for a long time and he's 
you know, been on video games and on Monday Night Football. And, um, you know, it's it's a really sad day to discover that about someone who I think a lot of people previously would have had positive feelings about. Um, and, you know, there's there's no excuse for it. I mean, it's shambolic from start to finish, really. Extremely disappointing. Um, and it shows that, you know, the fight for equality not just in sport, but in society in general, still has a long way to go. I mean, you know, um, there will be people and maybe Gruden himself will try and spin this as, well, this this wasn't an email that I sent yesterday, um, but it was sent recently enough to suggest and it was sent at a time where John Gruden was clearly an adult and had been for a long time that you can't excuse this as, you know, a 16-year-old saying something silly on Twitter. These These are things that you say because you believe them and mean them um and that's really really sad uh from start to finish i think it's put into even more perspective when you think about the positive impact that we had this summer with carl nassib being the first openly gay nfl player who just so happens to play for john gruden's las vegas raiders so you couldn't create a more unfortunate perfect storm of absolute horror than having the first openly gay NFL player come out and it turns out that his head coach has been saying homophobic things for a number of years. Extremely sad um, and really just emphasises why the the vocal kind of pushback from us in the public has to be so strong and loud against all forms of discrimination because there are people in prominent positions who still think that you know this is acceptable. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think one thing you've got to say is, you know, Colin Nassib did, you know, something that was seen as an amazing thing that shouldn't be seen as an amazing thing, right? He just told us what he thought yeah. and how his heart was, and that should not be a big deal. It was a big deal, and that's fantastic. Yeah. But what we didn't need was John Gruden or Colin Nassib being asked a question every single day at a press conference at his locker discussing John Gruden for the rest of his time, every single player of colour yeah. having to discuss John yeah. Gruden from now until the in the end of time. I think you know, I think I think you're spot on, you know. Okay, some of these emails were from two thousand eleven, but my understanding is they went all the way up to two thousand nineteen. That is not a long time ago. Yeah. Um no. I think you know what I will say is that um, these these emails come out of a list of 650,000 emails that were captured as part of the uh, non the, the the investigation into the Washington football team and their and, and their owner and at the time the general manager um, of which no report was ever filed of which no details have ever been given um, the GM now doesn't have a job. Um, but that was kind of swept under the carpet as a because he wasn't very good at that at said job. Although he hadn't been very good at said job for a decade and had kept it. Uh, the owner is a disgrace, flat, plain and simple. He got fined ten million dollars, which to him is chump change. Um, and yeah. his wife's now in charge. I have nothing against his wife in any way, shape, or form. But if someone's trying to tell me that that means he isn't in charge of day to day operations, they're insane. Um, what I will say is. What you find out in this situation is, for myself and yourself, Callum, um, John Gruden earned a 10-year contract worth $100 million and is a very rich man. 
and had worked for ESPN for multiple years and had been paid very well for said thing. I think he was on somewhere in the region of $6 million a year at ESPN. But there is a difference between some a rich man and someone who pays a rich man. Daniel Snyder, Jerry Jones, John Mara, whoever you want, they pay rich people because they are infinite wealth. And they have decided... That, that today was the day that instead of all 650,000 emails coming out, of which the NFLPA recently have asked for, that will be a long day in court before that happens. Hopefully it does happen, but it will be a long day. They've decided that someone needed thrown under the bus, and everyone decided that John Gruden was that person. If you look at the emails, John Gruden sent them to people, especially Bruce Allen um, and multiple other people. I'm assuming there isn't many emails sent back that says, Dear John, please don't send me an email like this again. It is completely and utterly inappropriate. I assume that email doesn't exist. I don't know because I haven't read all 650,000 of them, but I assume it doesn't. Because it doesn't, you are implicated and therefore are just as bad as John Gruden, in my opinion. What I would also say is, is that if you like the annals of history... Go back and and Google Bruce Allen's father and find out why Bruce Allen is nowhere implicated in anything related to this so far. Look at Daniel Snyder and go into net worth and find out why Daniel Snyder is nowhere implicated in this whatsoever. This is a this has become a John Gruden issue. And that's fine in, in the case of John Gruden did something heinous and should be punished for it. But it's a small piece of a major issue inside the Washington football team. And I assume, rightly or wrongly, multiple NFL teams that no one wants to deal with, so therefore need to throw someone under the bus. John Gruden is that person. Do I have any sympathy for him? No, because he wrote these things, he said these things, and deserves to be punished for them. But don't be under any illusion that he's the only person guilty in this situation because that is far, far from true. You're spot on. You're spot on, Paul. I mean, from from start to finish. And I think, you know, it's, it is a really interesting point to raise of how many more might there be? Who else might be implicated? Because, yeah, you're right. There is not a chance that... You don't say outlandish statements like that to people that you don't think will be receptive of it. Correct. You know? You just don't. You know? It, it, and, and and that kind of you know that kind of filters through all all parts parts of society that you know you, you don't tend to deliberately say things unless you're just completely nonsensical to an audience that you don't think is going to be receptive to it. And so for him to think those things, type those things, send those things, he had to believe there would be at minimum understanding and more likely agreement from the people receiving these emails. So it's. You're right, John Gruden has effectively been made the scapegoat in this, you know, it's a drop in the ocean, it's a needle in the haystack, but you do wonder how many more needles they'll find, because in all likelihood, there will be significantly more out of this, and, you know, you can turn it around and say on the flip side, that's it's a good thing that we're rooting mm. these things out, that we're rooting these mm. people out, because they shouldn't have any place in sport, Correct. they shouldn't really have a safe place in our society when you think about it from start to finish, um, but it's a sad day because you like to think of the NFL in a positive light. And unfortunately this will be spun 
by some people to suggest that the entire NFL is out of order, is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember that there are a lot of forward-thinking good people in NFL positions. And we need to try and keep that positive energy. But we have to su- stress that what John Gruden wrote, said, and thought was completely unacceptable. And he doesn't deserve to have another job as a head coach or really in anything to do with the NFL um, as far as I'm concerned. Totally. Now let's move on to stuff on the field and um, Sunday night, yeah. which we bigged up massively last week on the show. And um, Josh Allen well and truly lived up to the hype. Yeah, I mean, what a game. Um, what a performance, really, from Buffalo. Uh, there was a quote that they, they they showed it on Sunday night. There was a quote from Sean McDermott at the end of last season. They were referencing Stefan Diggs staying on the pitch after the AFC Championship game and watching the Chiefs' celebrations, using his motivation. And Sean McDermott said something along the lines of, we've just lost to this team in, and they stand in our way of going to the Super Bowl. Therefore, everything we do in the offseason mm. has to be tailored to beat that team. And it certainly looks like it was. And, and this wasn't just you know, a victory. This was a dismantling of the Kansas City Chiefs. And for any quarterback to outperform Patrick Mahomes is special. But to outperform him so clearly and in the way that Josh Allen did, whether it was rushing for touchdowns, hurdling defenders, throwing it deep like Mahomes likes to do, the Bills were fantastic from top to bottom, all three phases of the team. And the Chiefs are, are in a little bit of bother. They, you know, to, if you told me. I know they're playing your your beloved Washington team coming up this weekend, but if you'd have if you'd have told me that um, the Chiefs would be at best three and three going into mm. their bye week in week seven, I know they've had a rough schedule, but that is that's a hell of a hole to dig out of uh, when you consider how well another team in their division is doing that we'll get onto in a couple minutes. Um, but you know Buffalo. They, they look legit um, and you know from, from my side of things I, it was refreshing to see a team you know united in a, in a goal and fully committed to carrying out the head coach's instructions I, I thought Buffalo were fantastic yeah I, I mean you know you look at the offence but you know the defence especially they've as you quite rightly pointed out they've looked at what happened in the title game and they have decided that their, their division doesn't matter and what I mean by that is, yeah. they've decided that the only that they want to get to the Super Bowl, and the way they get to the Super Bowl is to beat Kansas City. It's not to beat yeah. Miami twice. It's not to beat oh. you know the Jets twice. It's to the, the Patriots twice. It's to beat Kansas City in January, and they beat it, Miami twice by default, so that doesn't matter. Yeah, well, yeah, but you know, and they they've looked at it and they've said, okay, what do we need to do? Will he get someone like Gregory Rousseau? They draft him. He has a fantastic game. They they play a very di- they play a very different style of defense than they did in the AFC title game. In a kind of, there is absolutely no way you're going over the top of us. We're going to be so deep, and we're going to bore you into playing sensible football because we don't believe you can run. So on us, can you just dink and dunk and? I think sometimes, like Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback in the NFL right now. But if someone did have a criticism, it'd be like, it looks like sometimes he may get bored and try and do spectacular things because he knows he can. And that's fine. Like if I was, if I had the arm talent of Patrick Mahomes, I would be doing the same thing. And that happens and they lose. I think 
you know, I look at it. I mean, you win this week, they score 60 points. There's no way Washington stopped them. But the problem they'll have is Washington will score 30. And Washington shouldn't score 30 on Kansas City. Like, they shouldn't score 30. Like, that will have 80 points. Like, I watched Carolina against Philadelphia. It's one of the worst offensive displays by a team that won a game ever in the Philadelphia Eagles. The week before, they didn't punt when they played the Kansas City Chiefs and got 28 points. Like, that's not good. Like, making bad teams look good on offense is an issue if you think that you're looking to go to a Super Bowl. Spot on. Spot on again. I mean, you're right. Edward Hilaire wasn't wasn't going to run the ball past the Bills' uh, D-line. And I agree with you. Mahomes does have the talent to make anything happen. So you have to live with the fact that there's going to be times where he tries to make the impossible possible and it's not going to work. And if you're able to live with that, which I'm sure most of the time, uh, you know, the, the Chiefs absolutely will be, um, then you're going to be fine. But there are going to be games where it doesn't work out. And this was one of those. Now, as you said, I think they'll be absolutely fine come this weekend. Uh, with all due respect, Taylor Heineke is not going to outduel Patrick Mahomes. No, absolutely. But you're right; they will give up. They will give up points. Antonio Gibson will run for a couple touchdowns, probably, and Terry McLaurin will probably have 100 yards receiving. That's what will happen. Um, and you're right; if the Chiefs do want to get back to the Super Bowl this year, they are going to have to figure out a way to to stop teams and win games in different ways when needed. The 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 other issue is. And that's our, our final topic for tonight is not only do they need to fix those things, they then also will have to play Justin Herbert, who I mean let's 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 all be honest here, we're all we're all we're all adults. We all watched him at Oregon, we all read the scout reports, and everyone was like, mm, are we sure? Are we you know, is he though? Should someone take him that high? Is he that good? Well, guess what? For the for for the for the 57th consecutive year, draft draft analysis on on one or more players was completely and utterly wrong, and a player that no one thought was good is unbelievable because right now there's probably maybe two three other quarterbacks that you'd take right this moment ahead of him, and that's only like to play a game tomorrow. If you were talking. I want this quarterback for the next five years. There's probably only one quarterback you'd take over, Justin Herbert. He is playing absolutely out of his mind. I yeah, you're absolutely spot on. I mean, I I, I just kind of wonder what uh, what my life would be like had the Dolphins gone for Herbert over Tua right now. Um, but you know, you know though, you is- can say that you know though. There's, like there's, I'll, I'll be there's absolutely zero way if. The Dolphins would have took Herbert over Tua. We all wouldn't have said that's a fucking bad idea because Tua's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tua's infinitely better than Justin Herbert. And right now and that, we that, look that, that, absolutely ridiculous. That's the gamble of the draft, you know. There, you have to, you have to take everything with a pinch of salt. You don't know. You never mm. know. You can only hope. Nobody knew, you know. That's why Mitch Trubisky was drafted ahead of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you never know. You don't know. Um, people get it right. People get it wrong. And in this case, the Chargers, whether by hook or by crook, whether because he fell to them or just because he what they were, who he, he was, who they wanted all along, the Chargers have got it spot on. Let me say, the game in general was incredible. Um, I though 
I understand there's people out there who like running the ball and defense. I am not that guy. <laughs> I want points. And, uh, you know, 47-42, I think it was in the end, you know, over a thousand yards of offense. Those are my kind of football games. That's what yeah. I want to see. I would love every single game to be that way. Um, and it was electric. Back and forth. I mean, you know, who's had a better start to the season in terms of outperforming their expectations than Mike Williams? Because he's been unbelievable. Yeah, and you've got to give Herbert credit in getting the ball to him. I adore Austin Eckler. Um, and I made the point in, in my article that, you know, I actually think Baker had a really good game. I think mm-hmm. Baker played mm-hmm. really well. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, it, it was one of those games where I don't actually think either team really deserved to lose. Chubb and Hunt as a one-two punch is the best one-two punch in the backfield in the league, without a doubt. Um, and the fact that they're able to get them both involved and keep them both happy is is a credit to Kevin Stefanski and his staff. I think the Browns will be just fine. It's heartbreaking to lose that game when you've gone on the road and trying to, trying to pull it out. Um against the Chargers but the Chargers themselves are absolutely for real you know we've just been going on about the Chiefs being two and three maybe three and three this weekend well I know the Chargers got a tough one against the Ravens but the Chargers could be five and one that's not ridiculous Mm. and you've only got to play them one more time do I see the Chargers dropping a game to the Broncos or the Raiders not really so you're hoping for help outside of the division if you're the Chiefs to try and catch um, the Chargers and you know honestly if they keep performing the way they are right now, you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if if it was Los you know Los Angeles Chargers against Buffalo Bills in the uh, AFC title game because that's that's not a ridiculous suggestion at this point. No, I mean as I said, like we talked about it last week, it, it's a it's a stay up game, it's a stay awake game. You know, can you stay up till midnight when you got to get up at six o'clock in the morning? Well, I did. Don't get me wrong, I struggled on Monday. You know, bosses probably weren't happy with the output, but it's one of them things, right? You're like, should I be? It's getting into the fourth quarter. Should I be going to bed? And then you're like, oh look, they've scored. Oh look, they've scored. Oh look, they've scored. Oh look, they've scored again. Oh my god, he's going for fourth and ten on his own twenty. What's going on? Oh my god, there's fourth downs everywhere. Unbelievable game. Unbelievable game. Uh, Callum, as always. Absolute pleasure to speak to you. We will let you go and we will speak to you again next week. Thank you, Paul. Always a pleasure. Have the best. Yeah, no problem. And joining me now, the brilliant Taiba Boo. Taiba, how are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not too bad, Paul. How are you? I'm good, sir. I'm good. Um, let's get straight into it. In your article for Sunday, things to look forward to for the week, you highlighted quite rightly, that Lamar Jackson isn't a running back. But by Jove, if that wasn't one of the most pertinent things to say after that absolutely unbelievable performance he put on a Monday Night Football against the Colts. Oh, yeah. like It's annoyed me for a while now. Like People have just kind of called him a running back. I think people, their kind of solid memory of Lamar is when he first came in as a rookie, I think this season with Baltimore so struggling at the running back position, he's just he's just becoming a world class passer. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be in the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes level, but he's a top ten quarterback just by throwing right now. That's just how good he is. And the comeback yesterday was just brilliant. His connection with Marquise Brown looks good, and hopefully once Rashad Bateman comes back, that should accelerate his development as well. Yeah, you, you look at that, and I think I think you're right, right? The the against the against the your Lions, um, the the Marquise Brown connection was was slightly broken, mainly due to Marquise Brown, not Lamar Jackson. He finally gets yeah. um, Mark Andrews back involved 
yesterday, two touchdowns, um, and then you get Rashad Bateman back. And I think the the issue with Lamar is maybe not necessarily been his passing talent; it's been the weapons around him. But if he gets those lads playing well, then he's in he's in serious business. He really is, and and I feel like. It's kind of been forced upon a little bit with Baltimore because they've had to go away from the running game that they're desperate to play with. But, but to me, it's it's everything just seems so kind of not easy for Lamar. But it, when you watch him, it looks kind of almost like slow motion in his passing. Mm. He's just so accurate and on time. He's got great rhythm um, and he's making good decisions. I think I think that was the one concern I had about him when he was a rookie, that maybe when he did throw the ball, his decision-making wasn't always the greatest. But at the minute, his decision-making is just so clear. Yeah, I do I do look and just think, you know, that you're allowed to, you know, get better in the NFL. I mean, why he's been in the league is it four or five years. It's not like he's, like, a, you know, 15-year veteran and you would expect him to get better and you get him more talent around him and, you know, they're going to be they're going to be a tough out, right? You know, the, 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 there's some there's some exceptional games going to be coming up in them AFC playoffs and I can't wait to watch him. Yeah, like I said, I can't wait to watch him. It feels like Baltimore are kind of slightly under the radar a little bit right now um, just because... Buffalo's kind of taking a lot of the attention, same with the Chargers. But the team's still very good on defense, and they've got an ascending quarterback. Again, I'm hesitant to put him in the Herbert Allen category just because those quarterbacks just have arms like once in a generation type of arms. Mm. But Lamar is he is getting there, and, and once they get a running game kind of working again, that offense will become doubly dangerous. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I've just had Callum on and we talked about uh, John Gruden. I guess it would be remiss of us to not talk about the other um, quarterback, uh, the other coach who's had a bit of hot water, more than a bit of hot water in the past week, although nowhere to the level of John Gruden. And that's Urban Meyer, who, um, yeah, is still in the job, I guess. But I guess it's only a matter of time before he's not. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think so. I think ultimately... You can't come back from that. And and while, to be fair to Jacksonville, throughout particularly the first half, they battled against the Titans. It wasn't like they mm. just rolled over and surrendered. Mm. But I feel like the writing's just on the wall. You know, Urban Meyer doesn't enjoy losing. He's not used to losing. The Jags, despite the performances being decent-ish, they're going to still lose a lot of games. And I feel like, I feel like this weekend at Spurs, it feels like a mate because the Dolphins aren't good at all. They're really poor, the Dolphins. And if Jacksonville were to lose in kind of ugly fashion, I feel like it could be the end. But what I will say is, if he survived that, mm. then I kind of feel, well, well, he's already gone to the brink and back. You know, yes, tried, of course, and brought him back. I know there was a there was a strongly worded statement, but like ninety nine percent of head coaches would have been fired for that on the spot. Absolutely. Um, so it, it really is a weird situation, but. It's sad to see it become a distraction, but ultimately that's what it's starting to become. Yeah, and I, I look and, and uh, I was listening to uh, a, a podcast and, and, and um, Brian Curtis raised an interesting point that sometimes people's um, people's actions highlight things like does this person actually want to be fired? And you look at some of those decisions that Evan made last week, not coming home with the team and then being caught in a bar and whatever, and you're wondering, does he, does he even want the job? You know, I think sometimes it's, you know, some coaches can do college and the pros, but college 
coaching and pro coaching is very different. Men and 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 children, the way you um, get players is very different. So it will be interesting to see if if this is something he wants to do long long term. I'd be surprised if it was. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, he's had like so much success by anyone's standards at the college level. And he's coming. I suppose the one thing, and I, I never saw him at Bowling Green in Florida, but Ohio recruit about as good as anyone does mm. in the Big Ten Conference. They're arguably one of the, probably up there with Clemson in terms of recruiting out of high school and recruiting across America. That's just something you can't do in, in the NFL. And I feel like that was one edge that Urban Meyer had at Ohio State, is that you were cherry-picking the best of the best prospects leaving high school coming into the college level. For me, it's just whether or not he can, he can kind of handle the losing because the Jags they're going to be a one and sixteen, two and fifteen type of team hmm. at best. Does he want that? Does he want to particularly? Well, obviously, he's kind of taken sabbaticals and retired before. Yes. At his age, does he want to be involved in something that the Jags are two or three years away really from hmm. even having a ten-win season? You know, never mind competing for championships. So, so it's up to him what he really wants and that's why I, I, I get the whole is he trying to get fired thing but we'll see it, it's bizarre at Jacksonville right now it just it feels like I said it feels like everything besides the football is yeah. the main story mm. and, and, and the football is just like what happens on a Sunday and that's just like an occurrence that yeah. kind of breaks up the madness of it all Absolutely. and I feel like that's just an unhealthy way of, of running a football team in any in any, in any sport really Correct. Final thing for me, Tave. I, I checked in. I checked in on you on Sunday uh, on Twitter. Probably too early. Uh, that I, I, I take partial responsibility for what happened at the end of that Vikings Lions game. Not the good bit, the bad bit. Um, the team played really hard for the coach. In 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 terms of situations, we're talking. In I almost feel in in an opposite to Jacksonville. Like you don't know where to go, and I feel like you you. I feel that, and you'll know better than me. There's a there's a process of what's going on in Detroit and what the Lions are doing, and they all seem to be playing for Dan Campbell. And I was, you know, the passion that he showed in that press conference was fantastic. But obviously, it's devastating not to win that game against Minnesota. Oh yeah, like it absolutely is devastating, and and obviously at, at some point the moral victories kind of just become like irrelevant because that's all they are—the moral hmm. victories. I, I would say that the Lions squad that took the field on Sunday was probably the worst. Like they're playing undrafted free agents and converted hmm. safeties at cornerback. They're missing their best edge rusher. They're missing their best wide receiver. Um, TJ Hawkinson was kind of double covered and banged up. Frank Ragnow, their Pro Bowl centers out. Taylor Decker, the Pro Bowl left tackles out. The fact that, like, in previous years, with that kind of injury list and losing four games in a row, the Lions should have gone to Minnesota and should have been absolutely smashed. Yeah. With what they have on offense, like, the Vikings should have dominated that game. Um, I've got belief in the coaches. Like I said, there's a process. Uh, I think there's a lot of good coaching going on and, and there's a good mentality within the locker room. Mm. But they're just not... Like, the roster just isn't where it needs to be. And like I said, they've got a bevy of first-round picks coming up in the next two years and in all likelihood, they're going to be high picks. That's where they've got to kind of rebuild this roster. But I believe in the coaching stuff for the first time, it feels like despite how poor Lions teams are, like previous Lions teams would have just rolled over mm. in all of these mm. games. Um, 
I don't think these are, and and these are by far the worst group of Lions players since the 2008 team. So, so I feel like the fact that they could probably be two and three, maybe if they had Matt Stafford, they'd probably be three and two, um, mm. just because Jared Goff just isn't of the level. But that says a lot considering that they're playing rookies and undrafted yes, guys absolutely. everywhere. So, 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 so to me, it feels like there is the start of something. It's going to be painful this year, and it's probably going to be painful next year. But if they can draft well, that's that's the key to everything. Absolutely, I think you've I think you're spot on, David. I just wanted to, to give you that opportunity to talk about it because I think you look at someone like Jacksonville, you look at someone like Detroit, and in theory, neither team has won. But I think that the two fan bases are feeling very different about the direction of their franchises right now. Um, Ty, yeah, yeah, no, I'd agree with that completely. Ty, thank you all for your time. I will let you go, and I'll speak to you again next week. Thanks, Paul. And joining me now, um, I guess we should give him his full title now. Uh, BBC Radio Five Live Zone, Thomas Willoughby. Thomas, how are we? I, t- I tell you what, that has been the, the just the, just the weekend in general has been just exceptional. Capped off by being half featured on. <laughs> radio Five Live, legitimate radio, um, enough to make my dad proud. So that's that's what it's all about. <laughs> when you when you can get your, when you when you when you listen to a radio station, when your dad can listen to a radio station and not go, what's this nonsense? That's always a good thing. I guess the the first thing to to talk about is obviously you went to a game in your home country where your team, the Atlanta Falcons, won a game. Taught me through it. Oh, I, t- I tell you what, it was, um, it was, it was just obviously I've, I've been to uh, most of these games at this point. That they've been twenty nine, thirty at this mm-hmm. point, um, mm-hmm. and I've been, to, I've been to a lot of them. Um, obviously, one of them was the Falcons previously. Obviously, we didn't win that one. Um, obviously, things are a bit different now. Um, but this was not only. That my first time seeing the Falcons win in the UK. Um, it was the first time I've really been been out out for a while, like a good while. So mm-hmm. it was a common a combination of um, seeing a bunch of people I've not seen for a couple of years, seeing my team nearly do what they usually do, but holding it back. Um, and just just an outpouring of uh, of joy. Of it was a it was a. It was a joyous weekend. Um, I can I can tell you that much. I, I keep going back through my phone and all the pictures I've taken, and there's just like this smile that I've never pulled before. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's the saddest thing in the world. But it's just like I'm so overwhelmed and happy, and um, I mean, yeah, it was it was great. Um, really, really great. <laughs> and I think I think I think the thing is as well what, what we can talk about if we if we drift kind of into the game before diving back out. Like you got to see the um, awakening of future Hall of Fame tight end Kyle Pitts. Well, well, this is it. Going into the game, um, and I, I was at the, uh, the 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 Falcons press event on on the Friday, so I, I had a bit of a conversation with. That's another thing, by the way. That's good, that in it. Had a conversation with Mike Davis. Um, and everybody was just so like, yeah, and Carl Pitts is going to be elite. Carl Pitts is just exceptional. And then after the game, 
all of the quotes like Cordero Patterson at the end was just sort of like, yeah, we expect that from him. And it's like, okay, he's what, 21? It was literally <laughs> his birthday. Yeah, I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> and it's like, there, there are going to be a lot of people that say it was just the Jets. Because it was just the Jets. Um, they're not very good. I mean, we're not very good, but but they're really not very good. Um, but their defense is, is genuinely decent when you sort of break it down. Um, and the fact that Atlanta were without Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst is kind of anonymous this year. So it, it was just him and Patterson, and he was double covered, and he was catching balls. He was making circus catches over his head. There was one right at the end. Um, well, I'll say right at the end, um, on the final drive, where it's just like momentum was all with New York at that point. And then it's just first down, 37-yard pass over the top to Carl Pitts, and he pulls it in. And it's just sort of like, okay, I'm, I see it now. This is why they've gone with this kid so early on when there are so, with so many other options. It's it, it was really exciting, and I'm hoping that this is kind of this is kind of it for him now. We, we kind of see this week on week. I saw as what what I found. I mean, he was he was absolutely fantastic. You watched that first touchdown, and it's just that the, the classic men against boys scenario. It literally looks like like a, a dad playing catch against his five year old son. As this guy, he just throws it up. There's absolutely only one winner, and it's Pitts. What I found amazing was not that he would not that he'd struggled in his first four games, but that there was questions, and he hadn't been, gone as great. After five games, do you know how many tight ends have had more yards than Kyle Pitts in their first five games in the NFL? I can tell you not offhand. Because there isn't any, Thomas. <laughs> he has got the most yards by a yeah. t- rookie tight end in their first five games ever. And until Sunday at half past two in the UK, he was... There was rumours of bust potential. It shows you that how, first of all, how stupid, how stupid the press are, and probably that includes me and you, especially you. Now you work for the BBC, and also, (laughs) (laughs) but also like how quickly things can change, right? I guess how quickly things can change. We come on to the, I guess the the Falcons as a whole. Um, Last week they got beat by Washington, which. Will probably continue to look worse and worse every time, every week going forward. Um, yeah. But and as you quite rightly pointed out, it was only the Jets who I know people who support them, and it sounded like there was a lot of people in in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And I'm like, you're not from New York. You've probably never been to New York, or if you have, you just went for like a week, and you decided to pick this team out of any team of the 32 yeah. teams. Like, are you mental? It's like, I just had Taib. <laughs> I just had Taib on. He's absolutely fantastic. Great guest. He's from Newcastle and he supported Detroit Lions. Like, I need to find out why. We need to have serious <laughs> conversations. Like, when I started supporting Washington, it was 1990. And the NFC East, with the exception of the 49ers, the NFC East were gods. So that's who you yeah. picked. I'm from Liverpool. My Liverpool team is red. Washington are red. They, well, Burgundy, yeah. as close as you can get. Therefore, close, I yeah. support Washington. Now, that looks really stupid in 2021. I'm kind of comfortable with that, but once you've picked it, you can't go back. The Detroit Lions have never been good. Taib's well younger than me. 
Like, he wasn't around when Washington beat Detroit in the playoff game in 92. I know that, because he's nowhere near old enough. Like, all these Jets fans, what? When you got to the AFC title game with Mark Sanchez, you thought, oh, Mark Sanchez is the saviour. That he really didn't understand the NFL. Like, this is an issue. That wasn't any of the questions I was about to ask. My question was, <laughs> do you, how do you feel about the franchise as a whole based on now the fact you got to see them kind of in an all-22 position and all-53 man roster? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, my seats were were up in the gods. So it was literally if 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 the if the uh, the coaches film gets released on on Game Pass, you you're gonna have the camera right next to me hearing me squawking <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> um, it's so it's I mean, sport is fickle by nature, right? So especially this this sport, it's week by week. Um, it's the end of the world, or it's it's all going in your favor, and and there really isn't any in between. And I'm trying to be as objective and um, down the middle as, as I can be and, and where I'm at, at the moment is cautious, cautious optimism as I have been for the last five years um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I I don't think we're very good um, at the moment I don't think that this I don't think this win is going to kickstart a run that's going to see the Falcons start to sweep teams and, and make a push for the, the playoffs and make them see them become some sort of dark horse I, I can't see it there are too many holes offensively there are too many holes defensively and there's no money to sort that out right now um what that does however uh what i what i am liking at the moment is just how flexible the coaching staff are being approaching games week by week um the big thing last week was the fact that we had a lead it looked like it was it was a done deal and we lost and a lot of that was down to overly conservative play calling with about 10 minutes to go acting like we were up by multiple scores when the reality was we were up by eight um this week get the ball three minutes to go uh, or, or maybe a little bit longer up by three and the first player is a 40 yard uh pass and it's like they saw what happened last week and decided we're not going to do that again and that's something that hasn't been done I lost count of the, the the games that we blew under Dan Quinn and Mike Smith, and it's just a bit refreshing to see them rectify it immediately. I'm I, I right about it a little bit. I've got the stocks coming out tomorrow. Um, I'm right about it a little bit. I, I'm, I'm feeling good about the Falcons long term. I just think we're in for a little bit of a rough ride still. It's good to see the rookie team or the, the rookie players, the younger players, first, second year players, playing better than they did at the start of the season you see gradual improvement we get a bit of a run at the end of the season go into next year who, who knows but i feel I'm, I'm feeling it would take something quite devastating to uh to, to bring me down from from the high i'm on at the moment um i can tell you that much well, well the good thing is you've got a you've got a week to, to bask in it because obviously the <laughs> falcons are on a bike because they were in london are you first? First, quick question: Are you going to Jags Dolphins this week? No, I'm, I'm not. I had I had tickets. We, we had season tickets, so we didn't have to worry about trying to get them for for last week. But I'm still. I mean, there's still a pandemic on, and I yeah. still feel weird about going in places all the time. I was willing mm-hmm. to make an exception for this one thing that might not happen again for another five or six years. Of course. Um, but I'm not too. I mean, we managed to move them on fairly quickly, and for face value, I'm, I'm not doing the towing stuff. But mm. uh, we got we got our money back, so we're we're pleased with that. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it because it's early, but I'm not fussed. 
so no Falcons, so you don't have, that doesn't spoil your six till nine o'clock view and pleasure. So will it just be no, pure red zone all the time this week for Thomas? Pure, yeah, pure red zone supporting uh, whatever players I've got to pick instead of Young Waku and well, obviously Calvin really didn't play at the weekend, but wh- wh- whoever I pick up on waivers, um, and then also supporting against them when I realise one of my other teams doesn't have them. So. <laughs> of course, the classic fantasy. Oh, look, I've got seven teams, and I have to technically support every team in the NFL and every player of position. Fantastic, Thomas. Well, we will let you go, um, and we will speak to you later. Obviously, if you're not um, doing a uh, five live sport next week, I'm not too big for the podcast at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Thomas. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're uh, I'm final guest of the evening and we've got the brilliant Joe Valenzuela. Joe, how are we? Um, you know, been better as far as uh, being a football fan goes, but uh, some promising things did happen last weekend, so I'm, I'm ready to get into it. Joe, let's get straight into your team, Cleveland Browns. Um, played, I know everyone was harping on against... Um, Sunday night, Bills against Chiefs, which was was a really good game, but it clearly wasn't the best game of the of the, of the weekend. That would have been Chargers against Browns, Chargers um, winning forty seven forty two, I think. Um, yeah. Browns score forty two points. Um, Baker plays really well, which you told me last week. You weren't you weren't concerned by his performance against the Vikings. You were right. That's why we have you on the show every week. Um, defense does concede a lot of points. However, they were playing against. Justin Herbert, who I'm not 100% sure is human at this point. But where are we in Browns fandom this week? Um, kind of, you know, the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, we last or two weeks ago, we pretty much shut down the Vikings, and that was the week after we shut down the Bears. So was riding high on the defense going into this game. Obviously, I, I felt like this would be the best offense we played this year besides the Chiefs. Um, did not anticipate 47 points being put up onto the board. Obviously, you know, our two starting cornerbacks um, didn't play. And Greedy Williams, who's probably our third cornerback, you know, the outside cornerback at least, uh, he was pretty banged up. So we have a banged up corner and then an undrafted free agent rookie and AJ Green, who actually I thought played uh, tremendously, well, tremendously well given the circumstances. But, you know, a couple of things didn't go away at the end there. Um, I think if we play them 10 times, we maybe get them six out of seven or, you know, not, I, but. It's it's definitely a team that is similar to us in terms of talent, and I just they got the better of us. Um, you know, the Mike Williams pass interference call that really hurt. Um, and that the the one play that really bugged me was Stavansky. I love I love his play calling. I always feel like he's got a great rhythm for the game. But hmm. at the end there, we had a uh, a lead by a point I think with around three something left, and we ran the ball on third and eight, and that's you know Baker had four incompletions, and one of them was a drop at that point, so I felt like he should have given him an opportunity to get a first down. But besides that, very entertaining to watch. Just um, obviously, like I said, bittersweet considering how Baker played, but we obviously didn't get the the victory. It's it, 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 it's obviously when you watch that game back, and you know you're talking about one, you know they ran it really well throughout the game. You know they they, they mm-hmm. had Dominic. But- Baker had played really well too. It, it it's tough, right? You know, it was one of you know. There's a lot of there must have been a lot of what I would describe as old coaches or old souls watching that game, seeing some of the decisions and correct decisions by both coaches 
going going yeah. wild, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Some of the you know fourth mm-hmm. and tens from your own twenty and stuff like that. This is this was these were the the you know the two new smart kids playing a new game of chess that old people have never seen before and don't understand mm-hmm. why why it works and why they're doing it. Yeah, it definitely felt like a, a new age of football. Um, and that, you know, they look like such good coaches because it worked. I mean, it, they easily could have, uh, you know, not converted. I think of course. the charges were ridiculous, whether it was even third and long and then, or, or fourth and whatever. They they were converting basically everything, um, all different types of ways. So if, I think if we just get one of those stops, obviously, um, you know, we have a better chance of getting a victory. But I... I, I have a lot of emotions about that game. I still I feel like the Chargers are going to be there at the end of the season, uh, as are we. Um, but like I said, I just think if we played them ten times, we'd probably get the better of them more than more than half the time. But they're a very good team, so we we stood toe to toe with them. And you know, I'm five games into the season, we have a winning record, and um, the only teams we've lost to are the Chargers, who obviously are. are a legit threat and then the Chiefs who I know they're two and three but everyone knows at the end of the year mm. um they're gonna be there. I think I think if we move in theory, another team in your division who look like another team who were elite in the AFC put on a performance uh, last night, Monday night football, massive comeback against the Colts and that's the Baltimore Ravens. Um it does look like yourselves and the Ravens battling out for AFC North title although fully expect both teams to make the playoffs. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, last year, they got the better of us at home. That was a big game. I mean, you know, Baker and Lamar, I hope, have a long rivalry because I do, you know, even though they're in our division, I appreciate the kind of offense or kind of team that, that Baltimore has. Um, obviously, the second half was a complete uh, turnaround for them. And they're dangerous in that, you know, if the first three years, Lamar, uh, they, they need to run the ball basically to be successful as a team and they really couldn't run the ball, and last night, I mean, he had a ridiculous stat line. As a matter of fact, I had them in our survivor pool, or in, in my survivor pool, and I was like, you know what, I'm just turning the game off at halftime because this is, I don't want to watch this. And then I I turned the game on, like, five minutes left in the portal. I was like, thank God. I just, you could, you know, the way they were playing defense at the end, the Colts there, even mm-hmm. the announcers, you could hear them. They, they were gassed. They, they couldn't stop them anymore. So if they had the ball last I think they were going to always win that game obviously Blankenship has to make that field goal but I mean that was that was a great game and when I look at that team they're they're built for long-term success and even late into this season because you know the 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 Colts despite the record have a very good run defense so when they get into the later weeks against different teams they're going to be able to run the ball and if Lamar can throw like that not being able to run the ball you know, and then like you know, you put in him into a situation where he can run the ball. They're going to be so hard to stop, and their defense is obviously going to get a little better. They're banged up, but um, I don't want to butcher his name, but that rookie Jason Oway is so he's going to be the best edge rusher probably from that draft class. So it, it's going to be exciting to watch that division. I think in the next couple of weeks, and then and but then towards the end of next next month, so. You play the Ravens and the Browns, two massive games within three weeks of each other. But you know, yeah, thirteen days, right? You play each other Monday night, well, Sunday night, Monday night UK time. Sorry, Sunday night football, NBC, um, in Baltimore, and then 
twelfth uh, of December in Cleveland. They they could they will be not could be they will be two pivotal games to see who wins the division and who's a, who's the wild card. Yeah, I, uh, I feels like a little bit of the the AFC North ahead growing up, and I mean. Steelers, I know, are two and three, and I don't want to stray too far off topic, but the division is going to be tough. I don't, you know, the Steelers, they're going to be there at the end. They just, I don't see them having, you know, like five or six wins. And then the Bengals, you know, they very easily could be four and one. And Joe Burrow, you know, he all that talk in training camp about his leg. He seems like he's very much the player that we expected him to be. And I think people forget about him because. You know, I, I felt like that when we had Baker. Like the second year, it's always about the first guy. So then it was about Kyler Murray. And now it's about Trevor Lawrence. But you know, Joe Burrow is a year ago he was the best player in college football. He beat Trevor Lawrence. So that that division, I'm very excited for. Obviously, I wish I had like some AFC South competition so we could just breeze <laughs> yes, to a, a division. But of it's course. at the end, you know, it, it is fun to have games that are going to be competitive because. I think going into the postseason, we're going to have a better record, or we're going to have a worse record than our our team indicates, just because we play so many tough teams throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely. One one him, a division that's very different from the AFC North, and that's my, my NFC East. And I know you wanted to to briefly talk about the Giants, who were at some point almost last man standing. That last man was Kadarius uh, Tony. He was absolutely fantastic against the Dallas Cowboys, but. Um, I mean the the uh, ankle for Barkley, the head injury for Daniel Jones. It looks like another long season for the New York Football Giants. Yeah, you know everyone loves having Mike Glennon as a quarterback, right? Uh, <laughs> that's that's what everyone team wants. So no, they're they're going to be in for it. And really, I wanted to talk about them just because how explosive he is. I mean, as good as Jamar Chase has been, I think if I had my choice, I would take. Tony, I you know maybe he's not gonna last as long just because of how shifty he is. I don't know how long the body can do that, but he is so explosive, and it almost is uh, a question about Joe Judge as a coach. Obviously, he's one of the more uh, old school coaches. His mentality, you know, the whole spreadsheet thing he said a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the excess play. Yeah. Um, so I think that has to factor in that same kind of mentality, not playing rookies right away. But if you have a guy like that. It, it makes you look pretty dumb if you're basically not playing in the first three weeks. I mean, he, you have if you have him and Saquon healthy, you have two of the best athletes in the NFL, quite frankly. And you need to probably get a little more creative with your offense. I mean, that that's about Jason Garrett too, who has, in all fairness, used him uh, a lot since he's been in the lineup. But he probably should have been pushing for him to play more because obviously that offense with him, even without Saquon, was. I mean, he he he's a game changer. Like I don't know a receiver that I've seen like with that kind of twitch and I, I don't know how long he's obviously going to get more polished at, in other areas of the game and it just upsets me that he did that at the end of the game where you know he punched that guy and I know that he got thrown late and all that stuff but just like I said about Joe Judge I feel like he's going to be some retaliation in terms of how much he plays or how much he's involved and he'll want to you know quote unquote teach him a lesson but at this point if you're Joe Judge you don't have time to be teaching these lessons with the the record you have and you know the the personnel that you have you're so banged up at the key positions you're gonna have to put him in so I'm mm. I'm concerned of what his uh, output will look like but I guess you know that remains to be seen. I mean, what what I was surprised by Tony Joe, I watch I watch some college but not lots, um, and in the UK, you know you only usually get the big games and you know Florida mm. haven't been great 
in recent years. They've been okay, but not as good as they have been in the past. And the 8.30 game, the CBS game, is you, they usually put Bamman on, let's be honest. So I haven't seen that much of Tony. I was surprised by his size. Like, when you listen yeah. to people talk about Tony, you expect, like, a Tyree Hill-sized player. And yeah. he's much bigger than that. Like he's six mm-hmm. foot, but he's also broad. So when I when I was watching him on on Sunday, I was as you know, he, as you said, he had all of those qu- quick twitch tendencies, but he had them at such a size where I was like, I was the same as you. I was like, oh my goodness, they've got a really talented player here who could cause major damage to defenses going mm-hmm. forward for a long time. Yeah, I mean, if if you're being honest and you have a redraft just through five games, I mean, where where do you think he falls? And not don't even worry about uh, needs, but in terms of like you know career outlook, you know this guy's going to be successful. Like, he's not. He's probably top five. I mean, he's crazy. He he moves like, I mean, Jerry Judy, but he Jerry Judy hasn't quite translated it to games. I mean, he did it. In, you know, last week he was pretty good, but. This past week, I mean, he looks like a. a t- Remember how I said last week about the mm. Ricky wide receivers looking mm. like a top five wide receiver? I mean, that's a top five wide receiver if he does that consistency. You can't stop that. I mean, it's you, you know all this talk about Trayvon Diggs. I mean, and th- that that's a that's a whole other thing about him. But yeah, he. I mean, he's turning around a quote unquote best cornerback in the league right now over and over. So I just I have a I don't understand what the Giants wait so long to put a guy like that in obviously like i said it's maybe an old school mentality but obviously there's a shift in dynamic you got to play these guys now it, you don't have time as a coach who didn't make no. the playoffs last year you have a quarterback going into a you know um going into his fourth year where you talk about an extension it's it's like it it's the nfl it's always win now so i don't understand the hesitation to put a guy like that on the field he's the best athlete you have and you know, maybe besides Saquon, but it's a lot harder to get a running back in open space like that. So I, you know, it's just very frustrating. But at the same time, it's it's fun to see a player like that. So I hope his career goes in a way that it, it definitely could turn out. I mean, you, you you play a game. Like I'm not suggesting that the the Detroit Lions don't like Penny Sewell. <clears throat> Far from it. But do you think they'd like someone who could you know make some moves on the offense? Give Detroit, you know. Give uh, Hawkinson a bit more space. Absolutely, you know those type of top, as you said, those type of top five t- teams. They need players who are able to spread the field, move people around, be people. You know, you look at. I, I I always look, and I know I know we talked about Minnesota last week when you played them, but I I, I mean I watch Justin Jefferson every time I watch him. Mm-hmm. I'm like the I and my, my friend colleague uh, Neil Dutton. Um, he he supports Philadelphia, and I just laugh at him every single time. I'm like, your team will have watched tape of Justin Jefferson and decided they wanted Jalen Rager instead. Like, whoever yeah. did that should be immediately fired. Like, just immediately fired. Like, just one game. And watch what Jefferson a, does in the NFL. Just fire him. Yeah, that's a real. St- I mean, that's a real statement. How do you? It's just crazy that some of these guys are overlooked, and maybe there's personality things we don't know about. But mm, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, their job is to be on a field and basically be productive. And it's like that—that that guy is going to translate. Obviously, I mean, he. When you make guys in the NFL look slow, it's 
unfathomable yeah. how fast they are up close. Like they, and you can't miss that as a scout. I, I don't understand how this always seems to happen. Um, and, and when you look at the postseason, I mean, at the end of the day, especially now, all the teams that are there at the end, they have guys that are game changers at receiver. You got Mike Evans, you got Tyreek Hill, you know, the Devontae Adams, whatever it is. If you want to really be there at the end, you need a guy like that. So Correct. any team that doesn't have that isn't giving themselves an honest chance to win a Super Bowl. So I don't know. It's it it's obviously as a fan, if if I was a team that passed on Tony, it's it's frustrating or any of those guys because it's so obvious when you watch him, you know, and and I, you know, I can only imagine what he's been doing at practice all year. I mean, he must be losing his mind that he's not playing. I can't imagine what it feels like. Absolutely, and 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 for the people listening, and I'm sure many scouts and GMs are listening to me and Joe right now. We are both available to assist in yeah. any general manager slash draft decisions going forward on wide receivers and skill players. Just drop us an email, um, drop me a tweet. I'll get it through to Joe. And we'll uh, and we'll we'll do we'll do business from there. Obviously, six figures minimum for both of us. Uh, but it, believe you me, it's worth it. Um, yeah, I need to support my dog's uh, my dog's diet uh, habits, so <laughs> I do need six figures. Fantastic. Well, Joe, thanks a lot. As always, I'll let you go, and I'll speak to you later. Awesome. Thank you so much. And that is the end of episode five of the Touchdown Review him passionate at the start joking at the end bbc reporters in the middle i mean what more could you ask for um been a brilliant show um if you like the show please give us a listen give us a review tell your friends about it but obviously most importantly go to the touchdown.co.uk to get some excellent british views and american views on the nfl and college and the draft coming up and going forward it's great stuff it's a must read And this is a must listen. So please do. And we'll speak to you again next week.